Hi, I'm Rob Beckett, and I'm the host of the Rural Revitalization Podcast. The Rural Revitalization Network is committed to encouraging pastors, churches, and communities throughout rural America to engage, equip, and empower through local resources to build God's church. Welcome to Episode 6 of Rural Revitalization Podcast. Today, we want to be talking about prayer is fuel for the fire. Have you ever thought about that every man has done this? Thrown some highly combustible substance onto a dying or a struggling fire to try to accelerate the whole process. The possibility of becoming a flaming marshmallow that is frantically extinguished is a very real possibility or even the most common result is at least scorched eyebrows and singed egos. Although at times we try to take things dangerously into our own hands, the fire of God must come from God himself. Prayer is the key to what God has for us as a people and as a church body. God has a beautiful plan for everyone. Remember, for resources and the latest downloads, you can go to our new updated website, which is ruralrevitalization.net. And you can also go and join our Facebook page, Rural Revitalization Network. With other pastors and other leaders, go to Rural Revitalization Network. Very few of the 5 billion people on this planet will ever maximize the full potential that God has placed inside of them. Most people live mediocre lives at best. The full extent of their capabilities and talents go untapped. Many are not even aware of the tremendous potential that they possess within them. What is poten uh, potential? Potential is your unused strengths, your hidden talents, your untapped abilities, your capped or un uh, locked up capabilities. There is a great wealth of potential within you, but you must decide if you will deprive the world or uh, bless the world with those gifts that are locked away inside of you. If you, if you decide that you uh, do want to release this potential, the next step is to understand the principles God has established for unlocking that potential in us. So let's look at the keys to unlocking that potential. You must establish, first of all, a relationship with God, the source of our potential in the first place. We must understand how God made you to function by faith and by love. You must know your potential and your purpose in life. Your potential was given for just that reason. You must identify the resources to help unlock your potential. You must know and find or create the right environment you need to function at your peak performance level. Part of this is daily contact with God. You must realize that potential is expressed through hard work and persistence. But don't get me wrong. This is not hard work on our part to try to get right with God. This is just the hard work that he has given us for us to uh, have that potential released in us. That's what I'm talking about, the hard work. And we must cultivate, uh, we must cultivate that potential within us. We must fertilize it like a seed. We must guard, you must guard your potential 
from laziness, from distractions, and compromise. Your potential is God's gift to you. He expects you to use it. And that, that key, that talent, that power, that potential is released through intentional and purposeful prayer. Let me tell you about our new webpage, Rural Revitalization Network. You will find announcements of upcoming in-person events and online seminars that you will be able to register and attend. Under resources, you'll find our recommended books to help you to navigate uncharted territory and ministry for small and rural churches, assessment tools for pastors and leadership, church, and even communities, and also our podcasts and our blog articles that will come out every week that you'll be able to go and archive to go back and see what we have posted in the past. Also, there is a donate button that you can go on and help support this effort so that we can carry this message to other churches and other pastors. So check it out, ruralrevitalization.net. That is ruralrevitalization.net. the importance of prayer. We have to look at that. We have to see how important prayer is. Paul was a man of prayer and Paul knew the importance of prayer in his life and in others. He says in Romans 1, 9, he says, for God is my witness, whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I make mention of you always, always in my prayers. He prayed without ceasing for the Roman Christians. And to the Corinthian church, he wrote, I thank God always on your behalf. Then to the uh, Ephesians, he says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention you in my prayers. To the Philippians, he says, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making requests with joy. And to the Colossians, for this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. We give thanks to God always for you all, making mention of you in prayers. He also prayed constantly for his personal disciples. Paul prayed for Timothy and Philemon. Without ceasing, he says, I have remembered of thee in my prayers night and day. I thank my God, making mention of you always in my prayers. Paul Paul also preached what he practiced. Not only did he uh, uh, tell people to pray, but he prayed himself, prayed without ceasing, and, and everything gives thanks, continually and instantly in prayer. Uh, continual in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving, giving thanks always for all things. I think it is f a fair question to ask for us now. So what is prayer? You might think that Man, I know what prayer is and, and why will we have to look at that? But so many times we forget what prayer is. Prayer uh, for some has become a, a duty, a um, something that you have to do, a requirement. But the simple answer is this. Prayer is talking with God. We pray when we open our hearts to the Almighty. As simple as that may seem, it is also something people need to hear. Too many people feel 
that prayer is a certain sound you make or spoken very loudly. Others feel prayer is something that takes place in a certain place in a certain posture. But none of those things are requirements for true prayer. In fact, you can sound holy and not be, uh, be doing anything other than talking to yourself or, or talking to the ceiling. It is the communication of the human soul with the Lord who created that very soul. Prayer is the primary way for the believer in Jesus Christ to communicate his, his emotions and desires with God and to fellowship with God. Christian prayer in its full New Testament meaning is prayer addressed to God as Father, in the name of Christ, as mediator, and through the enabling grace of the indwelling spirit. Prayer is described in the Bible as seeking God's favor, pouring out one's soul to the Lord, crying out to heaven, and drawing near to God, and kneeling before the Father himself. Paul wrote, Do not be anxious for anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Jesus Christ. Worry about nothing. Pray about everything. So what are some of the reasons for our prayer? Well, for the reasons for our prayer, there are several good reasons to pray. It is, it is a great privilege for, for one. Can you think of anything of a greater honor than to have an audience with the one who rules over all creation? To think that the one that spoke everything into existence with desire to speak with us is enough to set your head into a spin. We have been invited to talk with the one who put the stars in place. We are invited to seek counsel from the one who is truth and is wisdom. We are invited to sit down with the one who knows all things, who knows us inside and out. And we have the opportunity to express ourselves to the very one that put breath in our lungs. Man, conversation is part of any vital and growing relationship. We sometimes measure the quality of a marriage relationship by how well the couples communicate. Or to state it in another way, one of the first things people point to as evidence of a, of a marriage in trouble is the lack of communication. But God wants to communicate with us on an intimate level. To put it plainly, if, if you do not have a desire to pray, then you do not have a desire for a meaningful relationship. The same is true for our relationship with the Father. True honest, heartfelt conversation is a sign of a healthy relationship. A lack of conversation or conversation only in public is a sign of a relationship in trouble. It is through the prayer life of a committed, devoted servant that God can bring out the strength and the power that he wants to demonstrate in his, in his child uh, that belongs to him. This is the potential that God wants to release in you. We should also pray because we are in fierce battle. Constantly, we are warned of the devil's intentions of neutralizing and uh, demoralizing us. We are told that our struggles is not against flesh or 
blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in, in heavenly realms. We are in battle, and we need to, the help of God. The enemy has marshaled his uh, armies together, and when we, ne we neglect prayer, we go into battle unarmed. Weakness is not of God. It is of the flesh. Prayer arms us and strengthens us. Do not, do not find it at all helpful to know that Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, found it necessary to pray in the garden before he faced the cross on Calvary? If he did not feel he could face the battle in his own strength, that is the fleshly body, neither should we. Prayer is a strong deterrent to sin in our lives. In the quiet times of private, honest prayer, God exposes the rationalizations and the excuses that we use to cater to sin. In prayer, God holds a mirror up to our lives so that we can see the way we really are and repent. Our potential will not be realized with sin in the camp, in your life, hindering and crippling the possibilities God has in store for you to do with Him. And finally, prayer makes a difference. I can't tell you how it works. I know that circumstances change when people, God's people pray. Diseases are sometimes healed. Strength is imparted. Guidance is given. Hearts are softened. Needs are met. I know that when I pray for others, it helps them. But I also know that when I pray, I am changed and helped also. My potential is released and manifest in and through him and through me through prayer. It is no secret that any church that experiences revitalization is the result of first priority in prayer. In every case, without exception, the pastor and leadership of a particular church had leaders that believed that prayer changes things and matters for the absolute health of the church. When a, church is, uh, when a church pastor and leaders really believe that prayer makes a difference, they'll make prayer a priority in their own lives and in the church life also. Revitalization cannot go any further than our limited human efforts until making the prayer and prayer to God the highest priority in our church. The New Testament serves as the model of a church that prays. Stories of churches that grow as they prayed will encourage you as you strive to become a church devoted to prayer. Have you ever thought about how much the early church prayed? Look at these revealing clues from the book of Acts. And this is just Acts itself. It does not include all of Paul's epistles and, and, and everything else. Just Acts. It says, They all joined together continually constantly in prayer. Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer. It says, after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And we will give our attention to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Peter went up on the roof to pray. The church was earnestly praying to God for him. After they had fasted and prayed, they, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. Paul and Barnabas, with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord. Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. When Paul 
had said this, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And finally in 28, Paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. And it is absolutely clear through scripture that the early church was a praying church. Why? It was because they loved Jesus with all their heart. They were dependent upon God, upon God completely and they knew that prayer made every difference in the church and in their lives. Throughout the early disciples uh, needed to have uh, direction on how to pray. Talking with God was as natural for them as a wife talking to her husband or a son talking to his father. Jesus says love for them had motivated him to teach them to pray and their love for him motivated them to follow him in prayer. In reality, however, we sometimes get so busy doing church that we neglect our love relationship with God. Our church activities continue, but we give too little attention to our spiritual walk and end up neglecting the health of the church. Driven by duty rather than by the love of God, we work harder in church, but often pray less. A church that wants to be a prayer-driven church will first make sure that she has kept her first love. That is, that her members love God more than they ever had before. If they really love Jesus, they will keep his commandments. The love for Jesus will be as a fire in their inner being, burning like the men on the road to Emmaus. Genuine prayer demonstrates not only sincere love, but also absolute dependence. The prayers of the early church showed that they were dependent on God for food, health, power, protection, and guidance. They also knew that only God could grow the church. Our revitalization efforts must be powered by God through prayer because we are totally dependent on His power and His strength. Prayer-driven churches are churches that depend on God totally. On the other hand, Churches that operate on their own power usually don't pray very much at all. The early church knew without a shadow of a doubt that prayer makes a difference. The meaning of the early believers knew of the extraordinary circumstances that scripture talks about their fathers and how they had overcome adversity and unimaginable circumstances because of prayer. They knew the stories of Abraham, Moses, prayed for water, and God provided it. Hannah prayed for a son whom God gave her. Solomon gained wisdom through prayer. Nehemiah sought his, uh, sought his king's favor through prayer and God granted that favor. Daniel's commitment to prayer landed him in the lion's den but God protected him in the midst of the lions and in the middle of the den. Try putting yourself in the place of the typical member of the early church. It is very likely that you would have learned the stories the same as they had and how effective prayer was in the Old Testament. Or maybe you have seen Jesus pray himself and knew that his prayers were powerful. The early church members prayed knowing that God still answers prayers and they knew that the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Is it any wonder that the members of the early church prayed as much as they did? When we really believe that prayer makes a difference, we'll pray more with sincerity and clarity. So where do you begin 
to fuel the fire if you want to grow a prayer-driven, uh, revitalized church. You come to realize that praying churches have praying pastors. Praying churches have praying leaders. Praying churches make prayer a priority. Above all, prayer-driven, revitalized churches believe that prayer matters. They know that the fire must first be burning for God himself and the fire that is reflecting of the relationship with him. Prayer is a reflection of their relationship with God. Also, they pray because they love Jesus. They recognize their dependence upon God, knowing that the triune God is the head of the church. And they know from the Bible and from their own experiences that prayer really does make a difference and is the spark that ignites everything else. To begin leading your church to the prayer-driven, revitalized church, ask God to teach you and your leadership to pray and for that desire to pray to grow more and more as you use it. There is, I cannot emphasize enough that the, the fire in the church that you are desiring, this revitalized church that you are wanting uh, and recognizing that you need has to start with prayer. Prayer is the fuel. Prayer is the match. Prayer is everything that sets the church on fire. I want to encourage you today that making prayer an emphasis. You may not, you may be wondering as the leader or the pastor of the church, you may be wondering how this revitaliz that, uh, revitalization effort is going to start. I can tell you right now, it starts with prayer uh, with God uh, and, and talking to the Lord, and He will uh, talk to you. And if, as we pray, if we pause and we give moments for Him to speak to us, He will start leading you in little steps in, in the right direction of what your church needs uh, for that fire to come. Maybe that, that prayer uh, and that fire has to start with uh, the relationship. Maybe the relationship is not what it should be. Or maybe uh, it needs to be sin needs to be taken care of. Or it could be that uh, the devotion and the time uh, spent in prayer is not enough. Whatever it may be that God it reveals to you that needs to be done, do it. Take those steps. And, and if you'll take each step as God directs it, He will lead you in the right direction. You'll end up in the, in the right place every single time. I just want to encourage you today. Uh, just to pray, pray to the Father, be honest, be, be sincere, and, and know that He already knows everything anyway. And so don't hold nothing back, and God will help you. God will help your church, and God will help your people.